Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. If you would, please make your way to a seat as we get started this morning. Glad to have you. Glad you're, glad you're here. Um, hard to believe that this is the, um, the final of our, of our gatherings in this introductory um, series, a foundational series on the life of the church here at Cornerstone. Thanks to those of you who have been the faithful plotters with us in this um, series. Really grateful to be able to go through some of this material and also to receive feedback from you. Um, several of you have reached out, spoken to me specifically about things that the Lord has been teaching you in and through this series, and that blesses my heart deeply and is a part of an answer to prayer um, as we revisit some of these key aspects of who we are as a congregation, trying to ask the question, what has the Lord called us to as a local church, and how are we trying to achieve uh, those ends? And uh, we believe very strongly that the Lord not only declares the ends for which the church exists, but he also declares the means by which the church conducts its ministry. And all of it is bound up in and revealed through the Word of God. And so we've sought to be faithful in that while applying in some specific ways the truths that we've been talking about to, to our lives um, so that we can see where this particular truth um, needs to intersect with, with where we are. And uh, we've actually, if you're new with us, maybe, maybe joining us here on the tail end of this series, um, we have spent several weeks discussing um, the vision of, of what it means to be a gospel-centered church, um, what it means to pursue gospel-centered fellowship and growth. What does it mean to be a church that's committed to discipleship, to fellowship, and to a, a high view of worship in the, in the midst of uh, the use of the Word of God? And uh, then we're closing our time together today to really talk about mission. Uh, what does it mean to be those who are actually sent out into the world to carry forth what Jesus calls us to at the end of Matthew 28, the Great Commission? What does it mean to be, as we've described it, a missionary people? And all of us are a missionary people. Um, that doesn't mean there's a section of the church that known as the missions people and they go do mission stuff. Or we hire certain people to go do our mission stuff for us, and uh, we simply send them out uh, to do that work. That's not a biblical vision for understanding the nature of mission within the life of the church. We want to actually see today um, a little bit of what that means to be called as a missionary people, and then to discuss a little bit of our vision in relationship to that. Now, now, a handful of weeks ago, I was with you. Can't remember when, because I've been bouncing back and forth between a couple of classes. Um, but we talked about the Cornerstone Way uh, in one of our classes, and I walked through worship, spoke specifically on worship uh, to this group. I want to revisit that handout with you today, because we actually paused. We just did the worship section. Then I think Tony was with you last week, and then he spoke on discipleship and community, what we're aiming for and what our objectives are as a church in that. Today, I want to revisit that document and talk a bit about a mission. So, Dan, can I get your help by, by chance? And you may need, I don't know, Matt, I might need your help as well. I've got enough, should be plenty of handouts for folks. 
Um, but just pass those around. And um, I'm, as those guys do so, I want to make a, a brief announcement and then we'll, we'll pray and we'll jump in. We actually have an abbreviated class today. Uh, and the reason is we're going to have a fire drill here at Cornerstone today. Some of you read that in the newsletter this morning. And, um, and so about 10.20-ish or so, there will be loud noises that will happen. Um, apparently, this is what I've been told by the professionals, um, and we will escape from the building. You know, hopefully not on fire. Hopefully we'll be all in one piece and we'll do so calmly uh, and with joy. Um, so 1020, just kind of mark that. Um, what that means is that I will try to try to draw us kind of to a close around, around 1020. And if not, um, there'll be a sudden stop. So I'm just preparing you ahead of time. Don't want you having intellectual whiplash in the midst of our time together, a, a soul-twisting experience. Um, so fire drill, 1020, be on your P's and Q's. You, you'll go out the back here for the fire drill. So I'm, again, told by the professionals, you're going to go out the back and you're supposed to cross the street. Some of you seem unhappy about that. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Um, um, you're supposed to cross the street. And, and the children are going to head other directions, apparently. So um, don't ask me any questions. I know nothing more than I've just told you. That's the extent of all of my, my knowledge. There's a few more handouts if, uh, if one needs. Oh, Preston needs one. Here you go. Anybody else? Need two of them? Okay. There you go. There you go, sir. That's, I got a few left. Um, that's the extent of it. All right, so one of the things I noted just a second ago is we were, you got the fire drill? Everybody good? Okay. Um, one of the things I noted a second ago about mission was um, that it's not a subsection of the church, okay? It's so easy to think of... Um, you know, there's kind of the, the discipleship people and the prayer people and the mission people and, the, and there's these little silos within the local church, right? And these are people who have a heart for, that's the way we put it, right? You know, something like that. They have a heart for this thing. Now, it's very true and it's a reality that actually is appropriately uh, understood when we talk about the body and it being membered, like 1 Corinthians 12 talks about we being one body and that there being many members, and each of those members having different functions and having different gifts, which would accord with their different passions or their different desires. That's very appropriate. Um, you know, for instance, I'm looking at Sharon. Sharon last night, you know, helped us at the picnic, put on this beautiful picnic and for hospitality. You don't want me doing that. You do not want me, trust me, you do not want me doing that. And some of you are going, you don't want me doing that. And others of you are like, I totally am into that. Like I can do that and I can serve the body of Christ in that way, you know, very faithfully and effectively. Um, that is a beautiful thing. And we've talked about that in terms of what the, the body of Christ is supposed to be. So we're not in any way trying to say there shouldn't be centers of gravity in the midst of your service and ministry. But what we are saying is that we're one body in all of those giftings. We all have a responsibility, a stewardship 
within those giftings. And, and what we see when it comes to mission specifically is that it's not given to a, just a simply select group, but it's given to the nature of the church. The work of the church and being part of a church is being on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't look like um, a uniform particular thing or a program, don't mean it in that way, but that all of us are being called in a variety of ways to the work of mission uh, within the context of, of a local body. Now, when we talk about a church, and we talk about it in this way, we talk about it as, um, as a people, right? It's, not, it's actually not you know, 136, 3rd Avenue, South, and downtown Franklin. That's not where your quote-unquote your church is. I realize you know, we have an address and you come to a building. But the, but the church right is not the building. It's very, very easy for us to forget that. It's actually the people. You are ecclesia. You are the called-out ones of God. Okay, that's, you are a people. In the New Testament, when Peter is, is preaching and Paul is preaching and the church is expanding and there are gatherings of the church all over local cities and towns, they would not have been of the opinion, since none of them owned property, in that there was no church building or a sanctuary. And more and more so, in later in the book of Acts, they're pushed out of the temple, out of any connection to the Jewish people specifically, they would not have had the notion of a church being a building or even a set of programs or particular activities. It would have centered on their body life, their connection to each other as Christ. Okay, That's an important framework to have in view when we start talking about, about mission. In addition to that, we have notions, and this is, I think, rightfully so, where we have different ways of conceiving how we view a church. Because the Bible gives us different metaphors, different descriptions of what it means to be the body of, of Christ. Um, it, when it speaks of body, it speaks of bride. Um, it, it speaks of building in terms of the, the, the living stones, um, in terms of these, this being built together in a dwelling place of God. All of these various descriptors are meant to speak to gifting, calling, and connectedness as a part of the work. And each one being dependent upon and deeply connected to one another. That we're sharing in the work of ministry and all the activities of the church together. And there's a sense in which we're interdependent uh, in the work of what it is that we're doing. And if you can see this, there's no way that you can really conduct worship without a sense of mission. Because you're, you're seeking to see something grow to expand or to accomplish. You can't talk about discipleship, someone becoming more like Christ, without thinking of them going on mission. Um, you can't think of going on mission without being equipped, without being close to God in the midst and clear accounts with God in the midst of worship. All of these various pieces, though distinct in the way we can talk about them, are meant to be seen as a unified whole. And when we think about the church, it's, it's easy to think about it in terms of preferences or things that we like or things that we prefer about the body of Christ. Like it's more of a, um, a kind of a religious um, retail store of goods and services. 
and I'm going to go see if they sell what I want to buy. And that's how I engage with the church. Very easy to fall into that concept in, in North America especially. Um, when we start talking about mission is often a place where we bump up against those notions. Because mission implies the fact that you're not being served, but that you're going out and serving. It implies that you're on a mission and that you are actually a part of the answer of what Christ has called the church to be and to do in the time in which he's placed you, to proclaim the excellencies of the glory of the gospel. That he's called you to that. He's not just called me to that. He's not just called the elders to that. He's called all of us and our various respective spheres of influence to that work. So when we approach mission, it's very easy for us to kind of be a bit uphill, okay, with regards to thinking about that. Now, even the way I'm talking about it right now, I'm still building some blocks here, makes us think of mission as like, okay, now I'm going to go on mission, right? It's like this thing that I'm going to go do now. Like I wasn't on it, now I'm going to be on it, and then later I'm going to be off of it again. You ever find yourself thinking of mission in that way? Um, it, it's, like a, it's like a switch that you flip. Today I'm going to be on mission. You know, tomorrow I'm on vacation. And then I'll be on mission again when I get off of vacation. You know, something along those lines. The Bible never thinks of it that way. <laughs> never talks about it that way. Never, it never envisions you not being on mission. As if it's a choice that you make. And it's a switch that you can flip. It speaks of it as a part of the identity that you are. It's who you are. You are a people on mission. If you're a Christian, you are a people on mission. That's what you are. It's part of the nature. Why is that the case? Christ is on mission. He is always on mission. There's no time in which Christ is not on mission. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't... He doesn't, get, he doesn't get mission drift. He doesn't, he doesn't get confused by what it is he's going to call. We're called by him. We have his identity. We are Christians. We are known by Christ. We are those whose identity is shaped by his mission. And so we are always the people who are on mission. He is actually, our God is a missionary God. And he sent us a mission, a missionary. His name is Jesus Christ to accomplish the mission of saving his people from their sins. That's the nature of who our God is. That's how it is that he operates. And Jesus says to his disciples and his apostles, he says to us, in, in John, actually, John 20, 21, he says, just as I am sent, so I am sending you. Just as I am sent, so I'm sending you. Now, how was Jesus sent? He was sent by the Father to accomplish the mission of the gospel, to fulfill the commands of what God had called him to do, to see the fullness of the kingdom, see the kingdom inaugurated, and ultimately through the power of the Spirit to see the kingdom consummated. And he says, in the way that he was sent, he's sending you. And you are then not a people choosing to be sent, waiting to go. You're a sent people. You, you are right now in the midst of that identity. Now the question is, are you living a sent life? Are, are you living the missionary life? Is the awareness of that mission 
um, there. I was talking to someone last night at the picnic, and um, we were talking about a mutual friend that he has at work. And, uh, you know, God forbid, but they were talking about me. And when they were talking about me, I said, listen, it, you know, we can overcome this. It's probably not as bad as it sounds, but it, it wind up being okay. And they were talking about preaching and teaching and the work of the church. And he said, this member in our church said, this guy in our workplace is the epitome of what it means to be a missionary. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? Describe what you mean by that. Because I'm you know, kind of all ears. He says he, he works um, in the medical insurance arena, but he refers to himself as a cleverly disguised missionary in the medical insurance arena. That in his office are always stacks of books that he's more than willing to give out. In conversations, he's always looking for the window from which to begin to speak about Christ or to plant seeds with regards to the gospel. In his daily activities, he's tuned in to wherever the mission of Christ is. He's not, today I'm on mission, tomorrow I might choose to go on mission again. He's a man who's always living sent. All right, I think that's a great way to describe what I believe is actually the nature of the way many of us should be having our hearts and our minds shaped with regards to this missionary call. I'm not just a, a, a wife and a homemaker. I'm a missionary for Christ, cleverly disguised as a wife and a homemaker. You know, whether I'm working with my children, I'm on mission. You know, whether I'm talking to my neighbor, I'm on mission. When I'm reordering my house for purposes of hospitality, I'm on mission, right? And thinking in light of mission, here's what's so helpful. And let me just encourage you, if you find your life incredibly cluttered with materialism and the things of the world and competing objectives and aims, and you're wondering why you keep pursuing happiness and never experience it, you're probably not on mission, that's, that's probably what's going on. Can you imagine if you, if you sat down to your meals or your engagements with those around you and the glory of Christ and the growth of the gospel was what was forefront in your mind? How, what a game changer that would be. How clarifying that would be to life. How single-minded that would become. And, and when an opportunity came, whether it was suffering or whether it was success, you were always looking at it through the lens of saying, how can I make much of Christ through this? That's, that's really the only question I've got to answer. <laughs> it's really, that's, that is the main question of my life. See how clarifying that is. So when you begin to live with the scent, this reality of being on mission, this kingdom of God within the kingdom of the world, you're actually beginning to tap into what is the true nature of what it means to be a Christian. Now, if you'll look at the Cornerstone Way for just a second, there's a few descriptors of what we would love. And I, I will say, there are aspects of a local congregation. I mean, I think I said this to you guys when we were looking at Acts 2, 42 to 47. Like, that's the church I want to be a part of, right? <laughs> you know, that's the body of Christ that I want to be a part of. And you're seeing their commitment to meeting with each other daily. And they're walking together and they're on mission. And they're breaking bread in each other's homes. And they're selling their goods and their lands in order to meet the needs of one another. It's like, that is a beautiful picture of what it means to look like being on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of that local congregation. 
But in every context in a local church, I would, I would say, and I usually say this in an exploring cornerstone class, is um, there are things that churches do well and there are things that churches don't do particularly well. That's true of every church, okay? Right? I mean, every church you go to um, is going to have what you would call emphases that are going to be particularly, you know, strong. And then you're going to see things that not particularly strong. And it may have to do with the gifts of the people who are leading. It may have to do with the makeup of the local church. There'll be a lot of different aspects of the culture of that local congregation that might make that be the case. Um, if, you were to, if you were to say, so here's what, I'll just give you an example. If you were to ask Nate, what brings people to Cornerstone Presbyterian Church? Because I do these little, you know, informal interviews with people who visit and who are in classes. Because I want to learn. I want to learn about what brings people and maybe what keeps people away as I get the opportunity. Harder to get those meetings. But if I get those meetings, those are very helpful too. Um, usually I hear something like worship, commitment to the preaching and teaching of God's word, fellowship, the, the warmness, acceptance, welcome within the community. Um, those are probably the top three of what I hear. What I don't usually hear, um, tremendous missions program. Um, known for mercy ministry. An obviously deep praying church. These are things I don't usually hear. That's noteworthy, right? Yeah. And it's noteworthy. I mean, you listen to those things, you go, okay, what are, what are the means of grace that the Lord is typically using? He's using these things. And, he's, and these other things are, we'd say, um, so in some ways, vision-wise, aspirational. Less than reality. Like, Lord, grow us in this way. Love to see these things grow. And so whenever I speak specifically with regards to mission, I think, oh, so much work here that could be done. So much more needs to be done. And when we look at these descriptors to say, what would it look like for us? And I actually asked this question of you to give some serious thought to it. I'd love to hear from you on it. Give some serious thought to, what does it mean to be, what would it be look like for us to live into the vision that we've stated and are seeking to grow and become at a greater level? What would it mean to, and what might the Lord be calling some of us in this room to be answers to that description? Well, in our last few minutes, let me look at mission with you at the bottom of that page, all right? The purpose, our place, our path. We talked about discipleship last week together. Look at the bottom part of our vision. To glorify God in the gospel together as disciples who make disciples. Okay? Notice we're not glorifying God together as disciples merely, but as disciples who make disciples. Now, in some sense, that's redundant, in some sense, that's redundant. It's an important redundancy for our day and time, but it's a redundancy. Meaning, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the characteristics of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is you make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's one of the characteristics of being a disciple. So we're actually pulling out one of the characteristics of what it means to be a disciple, and we're saying we want to be about and have an eye to the multiplication of disciples of more and more people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ savingly 
and putting ourselves in paths where we can share the gospel, train others in the gospel, and seek to be salt and light in the day in which God has called us. So glorifying God together as disciples who make disciples, implicit within that is multiplication. And we seek to do this in six ways. The first of, the, the first of these ways is building relationships, to be neighborly. One of the reasons we love, and one of the reasons, it's a challenge, but one of the reasons we love being in downtown Franklin is it puts us in the center of things. It allows us to be in relationship and connection with those who are around us and to be in a very real sense the heart of the city. One of the biggest challenges, as I was telling someone the other day, they were like, oh, we just love your building. They were talking about our building. It's like, yeah, it's a beautiful building. It's great. I said, we love it too. We don't have enough worship space. We don't have enough educational space. We don't have enough fellowship space, but we love it. So you can kind of feel my, my tension on that. It's like, it's, it, we love it and we struggle with it and it's, we wrestle with it like it's all of those things all in one. But it's actually in, in many ways, and one of the commitments that we made early on was to say, because of the restriction of size, it keeps our eye on mission, on multiplication, on church planting, like we did with Spring Hill Presbyterian Church almost 24 months ago. It keeps our eye on thinking, how do we build relationships to various communities and people who the Lord is drawing into our, our, our sphere of influence to be able to send out and to plant other local expressions that have similar commitments as Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in order to multiply impact because we think having a local congregation within a community makes a bigger impact than even having people drive from a long period away and build a really large building. So building those relationships is key. Learning how to actually be neighborly so that folks are walking in our doors. Here's one of the things I really, really love, and you guys have been faithful in this, and it's increasing in our midst, which I just absolutely love, is that people actually are happy to invite, other, you know, Cornerstone members are happy to invite others to come to worship with them. Like, come worship with us at Cornerstone. And they have a reasonably high expectation that that'll go well. Right? I mean, like, if you don't invite someone to come to your church, it might be because you're like, I don't think it'll go that well. You know, if they, if they do. And uh, amazingly, surprises me sometimes because I, you know, I have this sort of glass half full, like, we got so many things to work on. You know, like, I have to wake up and go, okay, the Lord's at work. You often are saying, I really think you should worship with us at Cornerstone. I think you'll be blessed. And more times than not, like, people you invite come and they, they kind of stay. That's pretty awesome. That's a great thing. Now, one of the great concerns, of course, is there's not, maybe not a place for them to sit, which keeps our eye on this fourth section of the vision. What is the Lord calling us to? What is our next step with regards to mission? Where do we go from here? Where do we multiply next? How do we create increasing opportunities for the people who are coming into the greater metro Nashville area, most of which are unchurched, increasingly so, to come under the auspices of a Bible preaching and gospel loving congregation and to be in relationship with you in order for that to happen. So we believe that's really important. Building relationships, being neighborly. S secondly, sacrificial service, mercy. 
we think that most of the opportunities that we've had, and actually when we've seen mission go really well within the context of Cornerstone, it's been through a need of, of mercy. Whether it's a walk-in from someone off the street, we get a, get a significant number of homeless or passerbys or drifters who come through, and those even within our community who may be struggling financially or um, having other, other struggles in their life coming through our doors and being able to either meet a need benevolently or walk with a person for a period of time or partnering with a local nonprofit ministry uh, organization, being able to sacrifice and serve from an area of mercy. We see that as a pattern of what Jesus did. Meeting the physical needs often of those who are around him, opening up doors to connect with their spiritual needs. Um, as one friend of mine liked to say, sometimes you have to touch the felt needs to get to the deep, real needs. It's very true. It's very true. Thirdly, we want to be a gospel-sharing congregation. On a regular rotation in our Sunday school, we'll have training in evangelism. Had about 18 months ago, a Sunday school class committed to evangelism. And there were three or four that came out of that class specifically who have been regularly keeping accountability as they're sharing the gospel with one another in, in the community and telling stories of both failures and successes in the midst of doing that. We would love to see a hungry gospel-sharing congregation who's looking for opportunities and being trained to be evangelistic. Fourthly, biblical trainer. This means comfortable being able to sit down with someone over six or eight weeks and walk through some key elements of the scripture and to do so from a knowledge of the word and a knowledge of scripture and, and God to be able to unfold in a deep relational fashion. Here are the nuts and bolts of the gospel and what it means to follow Christ. We love for there not just to be these what we call kind of one-shot fishing opportunities. You're going to have those. Like I love them when I'm on an airplane. Like people hate sitting next to me on the airplane, right? And, uh, and I'm probably not going to have an enduring long relationship with this person. I might, but, but I might not. It might just be an opportunity that's given. Take that opportunity. But you know where the richer change often comes is when that relationship is built in a discipling context. And uh, we want to train more and more to be able to do that. Some of y'all have been through our mentoring training here at Cornerstone. Some of you have the little eight-week pamphlet that, uh, that one of our elders, Steve Green, put together. 